your mind They want your soul To own your life as the long-term goal They want your money They want your health It's a grab, it's a transference of wealth They like disease They want you ill So big pharmaceutical can sell you pills Signs are ominous Don't look good Bioengineering shape of food They're everywhere They're breaking through Every day they get a grubby pose on something new You don't know how ah. angry I am. You do have like I, that, no, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I want uh, Welcome, welcome, welcome everyone. And uh, I've been looking forward to this stream and uh, well, you know, we did a 
in depth well in depth for me looking at ukraine but uh bringing bringing in some expertise to explain to us what's going on in the ground so or on the ground and let us uh let us jump straight in because um armchair warlord is waiting on the end of the uh the line i need to call him but remember folks uh, covert moral bio enhancement fifth generation hybrid warfare you may not be interested in holy war but it's interested in you um just to remind people i am a legit scientist you can find me all over the internet pubmed research gate is a good place to go and i would remind as well um our digital fortress uh, in this information warfare mccandojo.com Please, please, please uh, bookmark the site. There are the uh, usual Griff links. I would just say that um, any any shekels that you can spare over the Christmas period uh, would be much appreciated. I spunked all my money uh, fighting for legal cases so that you uh, you can all remain free and uh, <laughs> remember that your government loves you. Right. Let's uh, let us get a W on the line. Um, ba, ba, ba. come on, Damn. no, no, not good doggy, armchair warlord, and boom, let's do this, do this, it's working, because screen's gone black, I don't hear anything, Tyler, how are you sir? Kevin, how you doing? Good uh, to talk to you. Yeah, I'm, uh, like I said, I've been looking forward to this one. Uh, well, that sounds sort of kind of macabre, uh, considering the circumstances. But, um, yeah. Well, first I'd like to apologize because, um, you know, I dropped off the radar. I had a long trip in the U.S. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was only, only last week that I sort of reached out um just to sort of catch up i wasn't i wasn't ghosting you bro i was just uh enjoying enjoying your great country no it's no problem i mean god i kind of dropped out the radar myself for a while <laughs> well, you can say i've joined the i've joined the hack club <laughs> well yeah i mean I, look it's it's winter here but um i still have to have that ac on because of all the computers and stuff in here so it's very difficult for me to you know maintain the temperature and just uh head injury it's always a bit um you know sensitive to <laughs> I turned into a soy boy um <coughs> so uh where where to begin because let, let me let me in, let me frame it in this this way so before i left to go to the us i it, it seemed to me that there had been a sort of impasse reached there was uh some effective movements made by ukraine with respect to um victories in the in the south of the donbass if i remember not um least uh yeah when did you leave to go to the u.s God, so no, november first of november oh uh, yeah that sounds, that sounds about right um it was a uh, uh yeah so god when was the when was the last time we talked i think it was back in october i want to say yeah yeah i was gonna say two and a half months ago and um it's not a while honestly yeah yeah sorry but it just 
life, right? Comes at you fast. So it really does. Well, let me sh see if I can share my screen here, and we can uh, we can get into it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, so uh, you know, go ahead. I was just going to say, sort of, you know, following on from our discussions in the week, um, you know, I'm my feeling from sort of trawling Telegram was that the the, the dynamics have changed uh, substantially, and uh, I, I was yeah. I mean, I'd say that's accurate. The the front line has not moved a has not moved a lot recently. Um, the 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 big development actually in the uh, in the last month, um, month and a half, was that the Russians pulled out of a um, pulled out of a fairly strategic bridgehead they had across the Dnieper River. Mm. Um, but on the other hand, uh, there's yeah, there's Kurt... a lot of discussion. So go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to read the map. It was Kherson, right? I'm uh, the, all these um, <laughs> all these names here never stick in my memory, but um, also difficult to pronounce. But yeah, it was. It was... Uh, yeah, it... Yeah, it's uh, it's Kherson. Let me let me zoom in on it here. This is the this is a an English translation of the uh, Rybar map. And um, you know the press at the time were you know obviously going full tilt. It, it, Russia was collapsing. Um, victory was within reach. Uh, uh, what happened? What how did, how did it fizzle out? Well, especially with the the Kersen thing, I mean, everything on the ground points to this being a um, points to this being a just a deliberate withdrawal by the Russians. They they apparently decided the so they pushed into this area. You can see this sort of bl dark blue shaded area here. Um, they basically occupied almost this whole area very quickly. Um, really starting back almost immediately after the war started back in March, and. It seems to be that the Russians decided the area wasn't worth holding anymore. Um, there was, it was kind of logistically precarious. There were really only three uh, bridges connecting it, and they'd been using ferry crossings to get, get stuff, uh, supplies and people across. And they, uh, and um, basically what happened was they sort of, they basically snuck their troops out over the period of about a month, and uh, and um, the sort of the, the world woke up on around I want to say November 11th or so, and the uh, the Russians had pulled back completely to the south side of the south side of the river, and I mean the, the nearest Ukrainian troops were were you know, 30 miles away. <laughs> they, uh, so, um, go ahead. Well, it it just begs the question: um, why? What what would be the tactical significance of pulling back to where they have? Well, and, I, well, what I think is going on here is that there's there's two things. Uh, first of all, the as I mentioned, sort of in our last discussion, uh, the Russians have called up a lot of reserves recently. Um, in fact, they've I believe they've more than doubled the size of their standing army, um, sort of their peacetime standing army to you know, sort of build up a large force to to um, invade Ukraine and sort of end the war, um, and. Uh, and this, these, uh, all these reserve troops have not really caught into action yet. I mean, we've seen some of them going into action uh, um, elsewhere in sort of you know, small quantities, but we haven't seen this this enormous force that we know the Russians have built up. So what I what I think actually was driving this was the fact that there are so you see the the Dnieper River here, yeah. and how it doesn't really look like a river so much; it's more like a series of large lakes, right? 
it it didn't it didn't used to be that way. Um, the the reason it looks this way is because there's a series of dams along the river. In the so there's there's six large hydroelectric dams along the Dnieper River, and uh, and as you can see, uh, the Russian bridgehead in Kherson was right at the uh, right at the at the uh, tail of the Dnieper where it ran, where it runs into the Black Sea, and it was also directly beneath the largest dam uh, at uh, Novokakovka, right here. So the thing is that let's say the Russians, you know, launch a large offensive and start occupying and start, you know, advancing into and occupying large amounts of, of eastern Ukraine. What's going to happen is the Ukrainians are naturally going to try to fall back to the west. Now the Russians may also have some troops coming down from the north as well, but they're they're, they're but it's almost inevitable that in the event the Russians launch a large push, the Ukrainians are going to fall back to the west. And and they're going to try to put the Dnieper between them and the Russians. Well, there's six dams on that river, five of which the Ukrainians have uncontested control of, and all of which have large roads going across them. So, I mean, and one of the things the Russians cited, and they're usually pretty, they've, they've usually been pretty cited uh, as far as why they pulled out of this bridgehead, and they've usually been pretty, pretty truthful about why they do things, honestly is they were concerned about the risk of flooding from dam collapse. Um, well, if there's you know, these several large hydroelectric dams that get, uh, which, are, which have you know, road connections from east, from east to west on them, um, across a, a barrier, the, across something the Ukrainians are going, maybe trying to use as a uh, defensive barrier in the near future, well, if those dams start getting blown, then... The river is going to flood. It's going to flood downstream, and the result of that would be the Russian bridgehead uh, in Kherson would have gotten cut off um, just by flood water. Right. So, and it would have been very difficult for the and so, and so uh, and on top of that, the go ahead, go ahead. Well, the, the question here is: is that those roads and dams are of strategic importance to both sides? I'm guessing. Oh, absolutely. It's, and, they're, they're, uh, I'd say they call them of, of vital importance to both sides. The, the amount of destruction that could be um, could occur from one of those dams being destroyed is very, very large. Um, I uh, mean, uh, under the law of armed conflict, they're sort of they're supposed to be treated similarly to nuclear power plants. Oh, I, I didn't know that. I, I, I thought it was like the Second World War dam busters. They would be uh, flying, uh, skipping bombs along the water to take them out. Yeah. Really? I, yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean people don't people don't do it anyways. But uh, they're um, that's sort of a a post war innovation. Is they're um, they're recognized as something that can unleash dangerous forces if they're destroyed. So you're not really supposed to target them. But I'd say the threshold to do so is much lower than for a nuclear power plant. But still, right, because there isn't the radioactive risk, yeah. right? So, but in terms of the electrical infrastructure it's you know uh, russia has stepped up the intensity and oh yeah let, let me talk about that this is a uh this is a something which is highly significant um <clears throat> uh, something which i actually predicted uh right after the and after the ukrainians launched their launched their push up north which um which at this point has long since petered out it sort of petered out um and show you show you where they were washed up at um uh basically the russians uh partially pulled out of and were partially thrown out of uh kharkov oblast here and 
So they basically pulled back to the really to a line which is pretty close to the administrative border of Lugansk Oblast, um, which is what, one of the what, one of the old breakaway states that they they've now annexed into Russia, and um, so and so m- most of the fighting sort of been going on along either initially the river here and then the Ukraine's pushed a little bit past the river and they get, and then got stopped. So uh, just a quick side question: the uh, the territories that so in October they had their elections right and um, decided to join the Russian Federation. Um, yeah. Where is the actual border um, of these new incorporated okay. states? Oh, oh, so actually that's, so actually this is, you can see that right here. You see these, these dark blue shaded areas on the map. Mm. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 So, so this is actually the, the uh, de jure areas that, that the Russians annexed. Um, they didn't occupy all of this at the time. Um, but basically, four uh, four Ukrainian provinces: uh, Kherson, Zaporozhye, uh, Donetsk, and Lugansk, all um, voted to join the, the, the all voted to join the Russian Federation. Now, of course, the, these these referendums were only conducted in the Russian occupied areas, which um, I'm sure you can sort of see the, see some complications with that. But well, this, it, this is what the Russians recognized, and I mean, you know, yeah, yeah, but I think people are sort of voting with bullets right now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like I say, some of the imagery that's coming out is, uh, well, gut wrenching, to say the oh, least. Absolutely, it's 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 very nasty. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. This this isn't um, invading Iraq. <laughs> this this looks uh, wow. I, I always yeah, go back to the First World War. And... Yeah, well, and people have been making the comparison, is especially some of the fighting um, recently around the town of Bakhmut here. Uh, or the a lot of these some of these towns have two names because the Russians have a name they prefer they they prefer Artemovsk. Mm-hmm. Um, is uh, I mean that the the Russians have been sort of grinding forward. Actually, let me zoom in because they they've got an inset map on this here. Yeah, let me zoom in on this here. The Russians have been grinding forward in Bakhmut for months now, honestly. Um, and the Ukrainians keep on throwing troops in to stop them. And while well, what's been happening is what always happens when you have one army with a multiple times firepower advantage over the other one fighting and fighting an army that's willing to just keep on throwing troops in to solve a solve a firepower problem. Um, they've been they, it's it's been a massacre and a largely a one sided massacre of Ukrainians. But uh, Boris so, Johnson, uh, Boris Johnson has said um, it's a price worth paying. No surrender. Keep keep throwing in keep throwing in the young lads. Well, it's not even young lads anymore, is it? I'm here. They're sort of conscripting. <laughs> people like you and me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd last two seconds, bro. Yeah. <clears throat> so uh, th- yeah. Yeah. I mean, the crazy thing is, it's like it's it's big talk from him in London, right? Mm. Um, but <laughs> is that a price the Ukraines are willing to pay? Well. It's a price, I guess, Zelensky is more than willing to pay. Is it is a price the you know, average Ukrainian man on the street is willing to pay? I don't know. I, it makes me want to pay. Uh, I, I, I'd say asking that question when the SBU isn't around listening to him. <laughs> right. And, 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 you know, that's um, something that mm-hmm. I've seen appearing again, the people being wrapped around lampposts and humiliated. And um, you don't you don't see that being reported in the... The, the Western press, it's... Uh... Well, I mean, it's it's worse than that. I've, I mean, the, I mean, the, 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 the people getting, you know, wrapped around lampposts and beaten, that's the, 
that's the mild stuff these days. I mean, the, I mean there's videos that have come out recently with the, the Ukraine, uh, basically their their national. I mean, with with of the Ukraine army or uh, uh, executing their own soldiers because they were they were refusing to fight. Literally, a, a drone video of. Um, you know, Ukrainian soldiers being led into the woods by other Ukrainian soldiers, and the drone has them on camera shooting them. Do you have that? Uh, I could, I could look it up. I need to. Uh, not really no, sure not, not, not that, not, not that I'm too much into the gore, but that's, yeah, that's a war crime, right? And yeah, it is. Um, um, I mean, there's, there's other, I mean, there's, there have been people executed for being pro-Russian. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's ugly. When you're when you're hearing news reports of them, well, basically outlawing the Russian Orthodox Church. Um, oh yeah, that, and that that pissed off a lot of Ukrainians because they're. I mean, you've got you know Ukrainian <laughs> call them ultra nationalists. I don't want to don't want to say the other N word. Um, right. But the. Uh, well, didn't they just make that all legal? Right. They had uh, they they changed a bunch of laws to. Um, normalize. Uh, what should we say, uh, Uncle Adolfo? Oh, oh yeah, I mean, of course, the the Ukrainian government is just completely white. It's just you know all the uh, call it again ultra nationalist uh, sy- symbology of the regime. There, they're just whitewashing it all, saying it doesn't have have connections to uh, to a certain um, certain German regime in the forties. Well, um, you know, I do a Kanye West and uh, start start eulogizing Hitler. Um, yeah, this is yeah strange. He, he wasn't doing us any favors, though, was he? Uh, well, I, I think there's a there has to be a dialogue about um, Jewish influence in the U.S. for sure, right? Um, I'm I'm happy that we, we it should be analyzed like we we analyzed Islam, right? And we broke down their religious texts and um, we made sure. We've made them adapt. I mean, there's there's a long there's a long long distance between that and between that and saying that and uh, you know, and uh, supporting uh, supporting <laughs> again certain certain uh, German leaders when I can Uncle, Uncle Adolfio, I call him. Just to... But yeah, yeah, there's it's a long long line between that. <laughs> and you know, the I I get that they're trying to. Um, neuter the um a, a censorship that comes from the adl um you know they are an aggressive group who yeah um i would say have more than undue influence in the ability to have channels taken down um be debanked etc and um you know I, i'm hoping yeah but i mean that the adl isn't then the ADL isn't isn't any more representative of the average, no, no, the, uh, <laughs> average average Jewish person on the street than you know. Mm. No, I, I I would I would say they're a militant activist group and should be treated as such, like we treat all all, all those groups. Um, you know, the the problem it is is that oh, it's sort of straying from uh, Ukraine somewhat, but. The, you know the language within the U.S., which I found sort of really disturbing, is the the push towards um, a focus on ultra right white 
um, and they'll say nationalists for what for what I would perceive as um, your average U.S. patriot who wants to, you know, maintain his First and Second Amendment rights and uh, you know uh, be free from government interference, and th that that seems to be being chipped away um, quite aggressively. I, I, there seems to be some sort of pushback yeah. now, now, but yeah, I tend. I mean, I agree. The, um... The the I guess the security state here you say that the, the authorities um seem to have been very they've been pushing this line for a long time uh, is that you know is that uh, so, you know, right wing groups are somehow all the all the racists are right wing and somehow somehow the only people they're willing to look at are right wing and uh, I mean that they'll they, they won't even. Uh, they won't even uh, look at people who are aligned with the sort of uh, the, the sort of political establishment's goals. Mm. And you can see that you know, two years ago when they, you know, the FBI was was turning a very blind eye to everything that uh, everything that uh, Antifa was doing. Yeah, very much. I mean, hell, at the time I lived, at the time I lived, what you know, a few miles away from a Antifa occupation zone. Oh no shit! <laughs> but that was yeah. fun. Yeah, it's back when I was living in Seattle. Mm. Oh. <laughs> Those people, yeah, they're, they're uh... well. We're we're in the absurd situation where th th these people who are, you know, anti-fascist are, are literally siding with declared. Uh, uh, oh yeah, this is this is insane. Which is that you have all these people in the left who are you know consider themselves progressives, often postmodern progressives in America. All these people who are all into all into supporting, uh, you know, who are all into supporting American Antifa and screaming about the danger of Nazism and how everyone on the right wing was a Nazi. Mm -hmm. And then you you go to, and then, well, it's and then you look at Ukraine and oh my, and the, the horror show that is the Ukraine government and their the the uh, you know, ultra nationalists in the Ukrainian government, many of whom are explicit Nazis. Um, and they're they're sort of, um, and they're they just turn a completely blind eye to it. They couldn't support them more. The same people, oftentimes the exact same people, and they they just don't care. Couldn't support them more. It's it's just as far as I can tell, it's just whether it's just whether the establishment supports it or not. Yeah, it's all they care about. And um, you know the neocon uh, Wolfowitz doctrine doesn't care it just it's sort of results driven on the ground right and um whatever whatever it takes whether that's funding isis or it's, it's opportunistic mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. and yeah. if it they'll and and the, the astonishing thing is and i mean why do you why do you think i'm as harsh as on ukraine as i am these people are the um these people have are in many cases are uh fully supportive of these people are are in many cases either either uh, i mean these people are, sorry i'm trying to figure out the best way to put this but um put this in a way that isn't going to get your channel in trouble oh the, the, the youtube channels are just burner channels bro like the I, I did one stream yesterday the first time um yeah. just discussing a legal case in the commonwealth of virginia about trying to establish informed consent Right, so we were just literally 
the guy who submitted the court case was just reading through the documents and um yeah it got got struck down for um medical misinformation and um going against their that, guidelines yeah it's it, it's insane and you know and i think I, and I, i'd complain about me having people <laughs> people out for me um <laughs> but I, I have i have to say rumble's been very good very stable um people are watching there i kind of um miss the, the, the youtube enabled the chat to sort of flow uh quicker yeah. but um well i'm supposed to be treading on eggshells every time i try and stream i'm just i, I don't care about um that platform yeah. anymore yeah let, I mean, let it burn channel out every time you every time you try to post something it's, it's mm. not worth trying to and I would just say it's infiltrated by the same left-leaning ideologues that uh, well, are leaning into Ukraine and blending. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, God, you look at the kind of content that YouTube pushes on Ukraine, it's just, you want to talk about vaccine misinformation, oh my God. Mm. People just post completely made-up stuff about Ukraine constantly, 24-7, gets thousands of views. Yeah. Um, yeah, just I've, nonsense. I, I, <laughs> I mean, God, there should be a category. If there was a category for military misinformation, <laughs> there would be fa- there would be probably a thousand channels that are getting deleted. Well, would they if they're towing the pro-Ukrainian line? Um, I, I I doubt it in in the current circumstances. Yeah, uh, it, and, and you can actually this is actually the the double standard at work is they'll they'll go nuts about vaccine misinformation, but I mean. You, I mean, they're they are more than happy to to just let people post literal fake news, just made up fictional stories uh, about about the war, just complete nonsense, yeah, and stuff which could be easily just debunked, which is obviously facially untrue, and just you know push it for clicks, push it for push it for views. Well, um, it's more than that. I would I would argue it's part of the psychological operation warfare. These, these, uh, you know, there's whole divisions of uh, what should we call them? Intelligence community networks, etc., that are geared towards pushing a public narrative that they're trying to maintain. And... Oh yeah, absolutely. It's and I mean the, the both the Ukrainians and I'd say the um, NATO, uh, the Western Alliance, uh, U.S., U.K. particularly, have spent large amounts of time, um, you know, doing. Uh, I would I would say pushing stuff in the um, pushing stuff in the social media sphere. Yeah, um, pushing the try, trying to push the narrative that Ukraine is going to come out of this um, uh, victorious somehow. <laughs> with with the with the added caveat that um, Europe you're gonna you're gonna suffer for these actions. And... Yeah, and meanwhile they're yeah they're they're bankrupting and deindustrializing Europe, and there are a lot of people in Europe right now who are very cold because. Mm. Their uh, their sources of energy, which came from Russia, uh, have been shut down. And and look, you know, to try to be objective, it probably was a you know stupid idea to be um, relying on your Russia as your primary energy source, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a it was a contradiction in in European policy for a long time. Was they were. I mean, they were simultaneously members of NATO and had and NATO is in explicitly anti-russian alliance um and they were 
their security policy and much of their foreign policy was uh, anti-Russian, but at the same time, their much of their economic policy was pro-Russian. And this was a uh, this was a, a circle that's getting squared right now. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, I, I mean, I shouldn't laugh, but because because the thing is, there's... I mean, it, 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 the thing is, it's funny. It's you know, dark yeah. humor, tragic <laughs> humor, but it's still funny. Yeah, be this stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The depths human beings can plumb with respect to uh, the well, yeah, stupidity and. Uh, short-sightedness and you know there's... Oh, it's because well, these people were you know the, the end of history acolytes and they thought oh well there's there's never going to be another land war in europe mm. right well lo and behold it's 2022 and we're 10 months into one yeah <laughs> 10 months bro wow yeah, it's been a long time months mm. and you know official figures that were coming out from van der Leyden of a hundred thousand ukrainian dead oh, you want to you want to talk about propaganda like that not only did did van der Leyden blurt out really like admit and this this is by the way this is the same thing that general milley admitted um recently in a pentagon press conference although the, the ukrainians didn't have the stones to go after him um that you know the ukrainians had taken several hundred thousand dead and that's that by the way is probably just their official they're probably just the dead they counted yeah um, it's, it's a, a lowball go ahead it's just a lowballed figure I would presume. Yeah, it's actually a lowball figure. It's, they, they probably suffered suffered many more than that. Um, and, and then the, the Ukrainians came out and they tried to say like, "Oh, it's it's only and they, they and this this was the they strong armed the European Union. They strong armed Ursula van der Leyen, a powerful person within the EU, um, into into walking it back and and, and you know mouthing the ukraine propaganda yeah oh we we only took ten thousand people we've only had ten thousand killed like i i, I hate to say it I, i'm pretty sure if you go through telegram and find find ten thousand oh 10, god 000, yeah <laughs> by this point yeah just, just, just from photographs on telegram yeah i would just say that's probably uh, a day scrolling on my yeah. end. i mean yeah you probably i'm looking at sort of repeats of stuff but um the yeah. the carnage that I mean, there was a there was a disturbing photograph that came out of uh out of bakhmut today of the the and that the russians were cleaning up the battlefield they had a pile a literal pile of ukrainian dead they, they'd collected ah uh, and that's that's hollywood yeah it's, it's that's what they or you imagine from the second world war the first world war or um and what they're, they're stacking bodies like cordwood yeah literally um, do you have to if you have any of these photos bro um throw them up um we should we should look at them um and you know again to try to be somewhat balanced in the the discussion i'm pretty sure the russians have taken significant casualties as well it, it, it's a Terrible. Yeah, I mean, the Russians have taken, and this, and I mean, the, the Russians have taken fewer casualties than the Ukrainians. But I mean, what, what we're looking at so far is probably on fifteen thousand killed in less than a year. I mean, God, the, the U.S. lost fifty-eight thousand people in the entire Vietnam War. And the, the, the Russians are taking casualties at a, at a you know, the rate we were at the height of Vietnam, which is no damn joke. Yeah, yeah, and the, the disturbing component of this is the injection of well i wouldn't 
NATO, ex-NATO, but, you know, private mercenary. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you hear you hear word all the time about um, foreign fighters in Ukraine, call them foreign fighters. Uh, I mean, I th- uh, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how, I mean, there's theories going around there that the, the Poles have deployed regular units in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, I think I... I think I heard recently there were, and actually, apparently, this has been hushed up in Poland, which I was, I was astonished to learn this recently. They've, they've kept this under very, very close wraps until the news kind of leaked out. But there have, um, I mean, I think just at one military cemetery in Poland, there have been 1,200, 1,200 new burials. Jesus. Yeah. Um, this, this isn't a few foreign fighters, this is entire Polish units. Yeah. Wow! Apparently, going into Ukraine under under some kind of under some kind of wraps. I, I, look, I, I I kind of it has a border, right? So you kind of expect some yeah. in, in interaction, but to be stripping and changing uniforms and covertly engaging in a well a, a, a conflict that has the capability of um, escalating massively, and, th- well, and, and the, the crazy thing about it to me is that I mean the, the question is what are the polls getting out of it? Because the the current Ukrainian regime is um, heavily based on the uh, ultra nationalist, uh, ultra nationalist, and uh, not and honestly a Nazi or Nazi adjacent um, ideology of of Stepan Bandera. And sort of the organization of Ukrainian nationalists, which was a, a <laughs> very close ally of the Nazis yeah. um, at, at the time. And I mean, the, the OUN was going in yeah, Ukraine, uh, uh, Ukrainian soldiers working for the Nazis. You know, they committed genocides in Poland. Yeah. They killed you know, hundreds of thousands of Poles. Yeah. Um, they were trying to ethnically cleanse Galicia of Poles. Like they, they, they wanted Galicia for Ukraine. And and this is the the same. I mean, and Bandera is the founding father of, at least according to the, of the uh, of yeah, modern Ukraine, according to these people. Yeah. Um, wow. And th- these are the people the poles are sending people to fight for. It's disgusting. Wow. Um, I can I can I can only hope well that it would wind down, but I don't, I I don't see them aiming in that direction. Every every indicator that I see is that this is an all out push whether it's the hot conflict in ukraine to the more well subtle mechanisms that have been unleashed worldwide at this next generation hybrid warfare um it's uh it's in full full flow right now and a lot of people are just asleep at the wheel i guess not not realizing so Go on. Well, the, I, I wanted to ask a few more questions about uh, Bakhmut. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Uh, my understanding there is that that involves primarily um, Wagner groups. Well, it, it initially involved primarily Wagner groups and um, Wagner groups troops. Basically, uh, after. The Russians sort of advanced to um, uh, sort of advanced to near Bakhmut um, in back in July, honestly, and then they uh, largely pulled their regular troops out and they uh, sent in um, 
Um, the initial group that was making the advance on the town were uh, basically a Wagner group of uh, mercenaries. Um, so, which uh, Va uh, Va uh, Wagner is a, uh, a Russian mercenary uh, organization, a, a very large one, sort of like Blackwater on steroids. Yeah. Um, honestly, like I'd say Wagner is sort of what Blackwater was aspiring to be, um, and all that they they actualized it. Um, but so so sort of a so they've been attacking there really for months now, moving forward very slowly, um, and actually, but. Right now, it, it is not by any means an, an all Wagner organization uh, attack. It probably started that way, but by this point, there's also um, separatist troops who also joined in recently, and very recently, the regular Russian army has also been reinforcing. Them. So it's sort of a it's sort of a combined task force by this point. I call it. So the, what's the looking at the maps? What's the strategic importance of that town? Why why so much effort being put there? Why not just skirt around it? Well, I mean, I'd say part of the strategic importance is the Ukrainians are as near as we are willing to put almost an arbitrary number of troops into defending an area that isn't very well fortified. Um, so that the Ukrainians are just willing to fight there, and the the Russians have been throughout the entire war focusing on uh, destroying as many Ukraine formations as they can. Well, it's the Ukrainians are willing to throw troops in there, and it's a pretty good position tactically to to. You know, hammer away at them, so that's that's what they're doing. Also, um, you can sort of see it here, and uh, maybe, let me, let me pull up, um, let me, uh, you can sort of see it here, and let me, maybe I can pull up Google Maps here, but let me pull up another, um, oh, let me pull up another tab, I'll merge it. So um, while, while you're doing that, I wonder, I wonder what's happened to the civilian population. Um, were they? Uh, some of them, uh, actually, a, a number of them. I wouldn't say too many of them, but some of them have actually actually stayed, and that's because they're pro-Russian. Because um, this is happening. This is all happening in the Donbass, which was um, part of Ukraine, which was um, very pro-Russian and which uh, broke away from, it, which uh, tried to secede from Ukraine back in 2014. Well. Some of it succeeded, you know, the city of Donetsk and uh, sort of the, the core area succeeded, but the, um, the Ukrainians eventually retook uh, Bakhmut. And well, there's, there's still a lot of the population there, which, is, which remains pro-Russian. Um, I think the pro-Ukrainian ones have, have all, I, I hope they've fled by now. Yeah, um, I mean, look, the, the simple fact is that that just gets brutal on the ground, right? Tit for tat, sort of sectarian. Okay back and forth um yeah it's it, it's ugly mm. but you, you can see here so this is this is bakhmut um and so you see that uh west of here there are not a lot of large towns um, particularly to the northeast up to slavyansk and kramatorsk mm. and so the, these two taking these two cities would be a big big victory for the russians because this was um back in 2014 there was a lot of fighting in in these two cities and uh, they, so, just just taking Slavyansk again again would be a a big uh, you know, a big boost to the Russians because they're um, uh, the separatists were defeated here um, back in 2014 after a long, long battle, and it would be a sort of a big morale boost. Mm. Um, and also, it's just important to be able to they take this city, well, then they can push sort of through this open countryside and um, get closer to the uh, border of Donetsk Oblast. So it's it's really just a um, 
it's a stepping stone. They have to take it, and there's the Ukrainians have thrown a lot of troops in to try to hold it. Um, so, so it's sort of one of those situations where you go slow to go fast. If you understand that, I understand what I'm getting. At. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know the Russian methods of it being consistent for the ten months, and um, if they're anything, they're thorough in how they move forward. But the you know the the tragic thing is is that it it's done, it's done under this such heavy sort of artillery bombardment and. Um... Oh yeah, I mean there every every town that's been heavily fought over and there the, the the front moving moving slowly enough that there's there's a battle in every little village, and so I mean you see the the landscape afterwards and it's just a a complete wasteland. Yeah, yeah. It just... <laughs> Buildings are just reduced down to skeletons. The Russians are going to have this whole battle zone um, until things pick up and pick up and, and pace a little bit. Uh, the, the, the Russians are going to have to like Bakhmut. The Russians are going to have to completely completely rebuild the city from the ground up, um, like completely from the ground up. Which they, to their credit, they have done um, in uh, Mariupol, where there was a very intense battle fought back in uh, yeah, March to May, basically, and that that city was heavily fought over, and they've been doing reconstruction in that city since they've they've actually done a lot of work there recently yeah that was the azov battalion hard yeah, the, point the last in the azov battalion yeah the, i say some of the footage that came out of there I was, again brutal brutal fighting um oh, oh yeah they, they had to starve them out of the the, the bunker under azov stall mm, mm, and, and they literally they, starved them out they came out looking wretched and um Oh, yeah, crushed physically and mentally. It was um, a nasty fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, well, I, I'm, I have to make the presumption that with the increase in troop numbers, which I, I presume Russia will deploy, um, they've called them up, they're training them. That, that I mean, the, the fighting season seems to be winter, um, and I presume that's because the frozen ground makes it easier for armor and stuff yeah so there's a so as far as uh, the fighting season so um i guess uh, in the west we're a little bit used to campaigning in warm weather um in the uh in sort in russia there's bad weather a lot of the year um so there's there's really sort of two campaign seasons in russia there's um there's the summer when uh things harden out and uh, when there's reasonably good weather and there's actually there's actually the deep one um, when again the uh, when because there, there's sort of a you know, called monsoons in in spring and fall where the ground gets very muddy and it's very difficult to move and we've seen that recently um with a guy that there's a video out there of a uh, a Ukrainian tank that was bogged down all the way to its turret the, and the Russians had, the Russians had uh, captured it and they were they were trying to they were pulling it out. And it was just coming out of the ground like a like a whale coming out of the water. I mean, there's there's you know, I'm sure there are from World War Two, you know, German and Russian tanks that have just disappeared into the ground in Ukraine. Right. Um, like they, they they literally dig stuff out of the ground there that it was just swallowed. So if if we zoom out uh, on that map yeah. and um we'd look at the front as a whole um and considering the 
press that's been put out in the last week. So the obviously the decision to send Patriot batteries to me just reeks of mission creep that will pull um, NATO forces in into the region. Go and um, it it seems to me that surely it would be in Russia's best interests to uh, go all out as quickly as possible before before there's this um, bigger clash with you know obviously NATO's itching to fight but surely it would make sense to you know come from from the north maybe uh, take Kiev and um, try yeah, to yeah I, I mean I, I agree with you I think the um, it, it would be in the Russian interest to uh, launch a large offensive in the near future. I mean, and by the near future, I mean the very near future, uh, next next week, next month at a minimum, mm. and um, and roll the line back. I mean, not just a little bit back, a way back. Take a significant amount of territory and force it into the war. Mm. Um, and I, I think you can. Uh, what, what I pull up here is the. Um, so over the last two months, uh, the Russians have been more than two months actually. The Russians have been doing strike after strike i'm um, firing cruise missiles and uh kamikaze uavs um which are slow cruise missiles <laughs> firing uh, long-range weapons into ukraine uh, mostly targeting their electrical infrastructure so right now i mean it's it's getting into deep winter and most of ukraine is blacked out most of the time um, there's there's very little electricity left uh, most of the um in, in some areas, it's been blacked out for you know, up to a week now. Um, I mean, last night, the Russians fired, uh, I think the last I heard was at least 70 cruise missiles and an unknown amount of kamikaze drones, which didn't get reported because by that point, the power was out and <laughs> power was out. I think cell phone service was dying. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we're... That was just last night. <laughs> we're going to struggle to get decent on the ground intelligence out or real time this modern age is amazing for that just to be able to people to load oh stuff yeah out. i mean i think we i think when the what it, i think when the russians make their move it's going to look very different than it did in february one you know you had webcams watching watching uh, russian calls rolling past um i think when the when the russians make their you know, make their move or we're going to see remarkably a little of it um yeah. rumors and the occasional video and a lot of then <laughs> it, well, it's, it's just kind of going to be bad all the time. <laughs> it, 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 at that point, you're just dependent on what the authorities are going to put out and, you know, who trusts yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's always going to be slanted uh, in a particular oh, yeah, direction. Absolutely. But the, at the beginning of the campaign, they did, um, they did, try to push towards Kiev and and that got um pushed back right and as a butcher well this is actually interesting the 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 north because the, the Russians when they first came in initially they attacked um they sent troops down basically by a Chernobyl actually um through Chernobyl um to uh, push on Kiev and they also had a, another thrust coming in basically from Kharkov uh in this sort of northeast, uh, northeast bulge of Ukraine, and end of February, they they pull all these troops out. And at the time, people people were saying, "Oh, well, this is 
Well, yeah, all the Russians were defeated. They were taking too many casualties. They, they had to retreat. Well, we found out later, we found out in September that the reason the Russians pulled those troops out was because they were getting close to a peace deal with Ukraine. Um, there was a peace deal on the table that the Ukrainians had apparently agreed to, or at least agreed to enough to the point the Russians pulled their troops out from their positions near Kiev um, as, a tr- as basically a trust building. And, uh, and, uh, and apparently the, the Ukrainians were ready to con- conclude a peace in April. And this, this isn't some conspiracy theory. This was reported by the Western press. Um, in, in September, it went, went very much under the radar. And then, well, what, what had happened? You know, what happened? Well, Boris Johnson, actually, that the same guy who's the, the same guy who was cheering on the Ukrainians, uh, throwing their throwing wave after wave of you know, press gang civilians into Russian artillery in Bakhmut. Um, the, uh, well, Boris Johnson flew to Kiev and, um, and I mean, it told and i don't know what the hell he told zelensky but it was very convincing and got him to to back off the deal yeah I, to i'm i'm sure that um they were telling zelensky yeah uh, nato's ready we're we're ready to pounce and you know i, I, I mean for all of them, they told him the truth which was that nato was willing to to supply him with an enormous amount of money and an enormous amount of weapons to defeat the russians mm. and that, that that nato thought the russians could be defeated and well and I mean, it's clear that NATO thought, and um, I'm sure to some extent still thinks the Russians can be defeated. And NATO was certainly willing to spend an enormous amount of money and to put their own populations through significant hardship uh, to, in the name of defeating, in the, in the name of defeating Russia. Um, the, the problem, the problem with all of this is that Russia remains very much not defeated right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> it, it, I don't think it was so much that, that NATO wasn't willing to wasn't willing to. Um, make the move it's that the move they're they're willing to make uh, wasn't adequate and well <laughs> you know this this comes in in the in the context you know so there were reports out i want to say sort of last week you, you know how are the how are the russians supposed to react or to any sort of brokering of a deal when th- there's been such a long history of duplicity from the west and we had the, the sort of words from angela merkel uh, I oh yeah, I, I heard about that. Yeah, and just ba- basically <laughs> yeah. saying that they had no intention of um, following through and forcing any of the Minsk agreements from 2014, and the, and, and, yeah, and just to, just to give uh, your your viewers some context here, so the the 2014 Minsk agreements were brokered between Russia and basically France and Germany and Ukraine, um, and they were a framework under which Ukraine was uh, supposed to. Um, uh, resolve the crisis in the Donbass. Um, the Russians had given the Donbass rebels some support, but they hadn't given, given a ton of it. And uh, basically, the Donbass rebels were supposed to, uh, Donetsk and Lugansk were supposed to get um, uh, autonomy, and they were, they were supposed to get um, the ability to uh, use the Russian language officially um, within Ukraine. And that's, uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, it was a... It was, I mean, especially compared to what the map looks like now, it was an absolute sweetheart deal for Ukraine. Mm. And well, it, it, and like you said, uh, I mean, Angela Merkel came out and said that said last week they that the you know, the West and Germany and France in particular had concluded the concluded these agreements in bad faith, and the only the only purpose of this agreement was to simply buy Ukraine time to build an army. 
and yeah. buy Ukraine how to get trained and get armed to fight the Russians. Yep. And you know, like, so, so how the, how on earth is, are the Russians supposed to make peace with anyone right now? Mm. Yeah. I mean, did, did, I mean, if I was them, I wouldn't trust what it, I wouldn't trust anything that came out of a Western capital because. Well, I don't. The, uh, yeah, <laughs> with good reason. I mean, you you see the COVID side of things. You saw how. I mean, this this is just the 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 mili- This is just the you know political military side of do- side of you know, Doctor Fauci at all. Mm, right. Yeah. Yeah. And well, you know, I, I, I sort of see them as all interlinked at a, at a higher level. And, you know, th- th- this brings us to the um, labs that they had in Ukraine. Um, and imagine yeah, the... talk about sleeper stories. I mean, I, was, I, I know I've made this joke. I know I've made this joke with you on stream before. But if you, you want to you want to close down a Soviet biolab, uh, uh, a, a, uh, <laughs> a can of gasoline and a, a bucket of bleach will do that, and I'll do that, and you can do it in an afternoon. Yeah, yeah, and it it all looks very, very sketchy with respect to Western actions, and and then you then you just have the rhetoric that's been coming out again from and you know you can look at uh, McCain and uh, that other. Forget his name, but um, Newland and Lindsey Graham. Uh, yeah, Lindsey Graham. Um, uh, the, the the rhetoric that's coming out I, I, again. How is how is Russia supposed to I, I, interact with that in any any sort of meaningful way? And and the United States is not willing to impose. I mean, if the Russians want to negotiate a peace, they have to have a single person to negotiate with. And the question is, who are they negotiating with? I mean, the, the Ukrainians, they can't be trusted to keep their word. They broke it. Uh, the, the U.S. isn't willing to impose discipline on the Europeans. Uh, the Europeans are, are duplicitous. So, and, I mean, I guess the U.S. The US wasn't a party to the Minsk agreements, but um, the, the U.S. has certainly um, been... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I, mean, I, it's I, not like I trustworthy right now itself, right? <laughs> I, I just the situation is so absurd when um, I'm agreeing with Henry Kissinger, right? Yeah. Um, and you know he's he's calling for um, off ramps and um, settlements to be reached, and it, you know I, I I thought it would be a cold day in hell before I ever ever agreed with any word that came out of his mouth and if if he's seeing what a precarious situation this is um well I, i'll tell you what's happening i think his his south vietnam sense is probably probably tingling at him where you know he had a situation in 1973 where south vietnam looked good right it looked like they could sort of yeah it looked like vietnamization had succeeded into that 1973 um yeah most of south vietnam was under the control of the arvn and then then you know they lost some support from the U.S. and then the the whole house of cards came down. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Kissinger is seeing a very similar situation developing in Ukraine. And yeah. You can see this in Afghanistan even. Well, um, I mean, it was literally just shades of Vietnam as, uh, as you know it was a, a debacle as the U.S. left uh, Afghanistan and you know as had a good discussion this week that you know in terms in terms of the the standing u.s military you know what's happened in the last two years um 
with respect to yeah you know billions of dollars and an ignominious um retreat out of afghanistan with people hanging on to the sides of airplanes and stuck in the undercarriage and um yeah it was actually worse than vietnam i mean in vietnam they were hanging on to helicopter skids they could you know pull them up in the aircraft mm. afghanistan they had dudes stuck in c-17 landing gear doors <laughs> just, there's that images of the, like they're just the body flapping in the um yeah, it's the most messed up stuff you can imagine mm. people just desperate to get out of afghanistan for the taliban to hold in mm. and and directly following that the mandates were pushed onto u.s service personnel and you know that was yeah, a... i mean and that and that that led to huge losses to a huge mm. loss in service personnel um yep um, and, and this isn't even going into uh this isn't even going into you know vaccine deaths Mm. Um, this is just related to like I, I now I'm not sure how this how this eventually resolved, but I mean they they put is la- last I heard they were kicking out ten percent of the national guard because they wouldn't get vaccinated. Well, I, it, I saw it myself like with my own two eyes, I saw the number of people who were not who were unwilling to get vaccinated. And that I think that's changed in the last week, right? That they said that they're not going to force mandates on the military, but the in that period you know from talking with others that the the morale of us forces is um at a well <laughs> i doubt it's very good <laughs> i mean you want to you want to talk about uh <laughs> you want to talk about the us military embarrassing itself did you see the the dog mask debacle was that real it was dead real it was no absolutely sh- real there were a bunch of dudes in Hawaii who were in some kind of weird fetish swinger ring, taking photos of themselves in full uniform, in full uniform, wearing gimp masks. I, I mean, I, I, not just like normal gimp masks, no, like like dog gimp masks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it like. Be... I was going to say, it, well, it's it's like the guy who just got arrested for the suitcases. Uh, Brinton is his name. Oh, that that weirdo! Yeah. Oh my god. So there are pictures of him, you know, sort of with other dudes with those dog mask, gimp, uh, doggy, doggy faces. And it, it, yeah, it's like, it's like, what? How on earth did this dude become a not just a political appointee, but a a political appointee who worked on for nuclear policy at the Department of Energy? Yeah. Well. Like, it, you know the, the kind of the kind of post you think would go to somebody like you know you or me, you know, <laughs> professional. So someone, know, someone, someone, someone who had a, a PhD in physics and uh, you know yeah. a, a wife, three kids, and you know a sense of responsibility, but instead you've got a cross-dressing luggage thief who's into pounding ass with dudes who wear dog masks. Um, yeah, it, it's sim- that's, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> it, it, and it's symptomatic of the, of the rot that's permeated into uh, the Western institutions. Um, Vladimir Putin is is entirely correct in his observations. I, d- I don't think, you know, people say, oh, he's playing for the politics or everything. I, don't know, I, pr- I probably think he's genuinely disgusted at just how far we've, uh, the West has allowed standards to to fall and well yeah, and i mean I, I don't think he's i don't think he's just playing for the politics i mean russian public policy is 
reflects that. Yeah, like I mean, they've passed laws to, they've passed a number of laws uh, to, which have been heavily, heavily criticized in the West mm. to uh, hand down that sort of behavior. You know what, Tyler? Those are vote winners for old Doc Kev. <laughs> those measures that, uh, you know, bit of uh, keep, keep the homos in the closet. Well, that's a. I'll, I'll put a cross down for that. Um, they they encourage families to have kids. They give them tax breaks and um, monetary support for families. Um, yeah, I think you know supporting traditional family values is a is a perfectly good use of uh, use of you know government authority. Mm. And people, if if people want to complain about that, well, guess what? Up until about 1980, it was. That was. I was a normal man. That's what I grew up in. That's and I, I'm. Well, I've watched the decline and the. In, in my mind, I, you know. I, I remember when but, I was living. I mean, you want to talk about the slippery slope? Well, we've been discussing the slippery slope here for the last ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I I remember being in the U.S. and gay marriage not passing in. Uh, this was in California, and the. Um, and I remember sort of thinking, "Oh, that's a, that's a sort of sigh of relief. That that's done and dusted now. We've 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 had that discussion, and uh, we'll we'll keep with the the traditional traditional family units." But um, that didn't last long, did it? No, and the the problem is, it's it's a ever accelerating phenomenon to the to the point where you do get a Brinton in in these positions and you have to realize that underneath him the, the, there's there's worse underneath him trust me there's much worse mm, mm. and and they've um skewed hiring policy and well the well, it works across all levels right where you know there's we now have dudes that can wave their junk in kids faces under the pretext of reading them a book right yeah under drag queen story hour right you can mm. get some you, you can get a a, a trans a transvestite stripper to come in and read read books to your children and put on a drag show for them and i have no words um i i, I do pass me the brass <laughs> that's those are my words. <laughs> Praise yeah. the Lord and pass the ammo. <laughs> In my yeah, mind, I'm just. What, what, what is what is society coming to, and is, are we are we going to walk this back at some point? And if so, how? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I I hope so. I mean, this sort of brings back the you, you know the discussion um, earlier about Kenya and stuff, which is how do, how do you address the subversion that's taking place within um, Western culture? And in to... well, I mean, I think the the first thing you need to do is you need to be able to have the discussion about it in an honest and upright manner, without talking in code, without being afraid of being being uh, you know driven from polite society for um, saying things which are obvious. Mm. Yeah, like can can the sexual deviants stay away from the kids, please? Can we not be encouraging yeah, can we, it? Can we look at the, the transvestite strippers to not? out of the library and out of reading books to children because this is this isn't a good thing mm. and this it's obvious this isn't a good thing anyone can anyone with a, a brainstem knows this and the only thing that's keeping people from condemning this the way it should be condemned is the conventions of is conventions of politeness which are continually exploited well i i, I would i would 
stretch it further and just and say it's it's the subversion of our institutions by the ideologues that um revel in in the distortion of yeah. traditional values it's, uh, um, it's the, the end point of the, the long marks are the institutions right yes yes uh, up to the point where all of a sudden in 2020 we woke up and every single institution was controlled by controlled by you know and I wouldn't say every single institution, but many of them, many many institutions, which are very very core and like key institutions, and in, 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 in you know like deep bureaucracy stuff, like accrediting educational, mm. uh, like accrediting schools. Yeah. All I, of a sudden, this was controlled by postmodernists who wanted every who yeah. You know, if you wanted your private school to get accredited, like your private religious institution to have an accreditation, you needed to be teaching woke shit. Yeah, uh, and that's that's how they do it. Uh, they they get into like the sort of the the, the code of society almost. Right, and the, and the the end point is you've got um, military service members in uh, well doggy gimp masks um, posing, and and the problem is that they receive a lot of adulation when they do it. Um, oh yeah, I mean, the, the guy wouldn't have done it if he didn't think he was going to get a lot of praise, and and a lot of people were completely on board with this. And well, so the Russians are supposed to sit there and say, "We're we're being challenged by this culture," um, we're, and that that's the that's the language that's used at the higher mm -hmm. levels where they want to th they, they talk about, "Oh, well, Russia is oppressing human rights, and um, they're they're not according to." Um, international values well god damn it right human rights that you made up uh between these, these are human rights which seem to have appeared out of thin air in the last two years mm. Mm. Uh, you know I, I well you know thank thank the lord i'm not in such a contentious um part of the world but yeah i i i, I mean i mean hell you even saw uh speaking of I mean, speaking of, uh, yeah, I mean, you're 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 lucky. You live in Japan. They they have their they have the priorities straight. They they're <laughs> they don't they don't allow this stuff in Japan. Fat values. They get criticized for. And I I I I applaud Japan's uh, casual racism and misogyny, right? Because uh, it it does keep order, man. Um, you know, um, th there's no. Well, it, it, it's almost like a. I'd say it's almost like a, you. If you over police society, there's there's a lot of negative things that come can come out of that. Mm. Um, there's some you have to sort of be okay with some offensive stuff in society, some stuff which could conceivably offend somebody, mm. um, some stuff which people could could find distasteful, um, in order for society to function. Um. And look, I, I, I'm the first one to step forward when you know I I think that the the state is overstepping. Um, you know, it's it's established boundaries with with respect to uh, sovereign rights, etc. But you know those those sovereign rights and cultures uh, or, or cultural norms have been embedded for well, you know if you take Europe as an example for thousands of years and and suddenly suddenly we're flipping it on its head and um, 
marching marching our forces under this banner in into in, into a region where they they have these values that go back thousands of years it, the, the the simple fact you know I, I, I love america dude i do right but the, the the problem is is that the new world is is desperately and i i guess because it's it's a form of validation trying to enforce its values onto the older more traditional cultures of the world and i mean i i think i i agree with you you can see the you can see the um you know the, the long march through the institutions you can see that in the international institutions as well yeah um and you know the... in the i mean just to bring this back to ukraine one of the more disturbing things about this is there are there are people who support ukraine um because they think the ukrainian army full of nazis um, you know, which is full of, you know, literal, you know, neo-Nazi groups or not even neo-Nazis, like just actual hard black Nazis. I'd say this, I, I, personally, I'm a nationalist myself, right? And I would say if, if they're in their country minding their own business, I don't care what they do, right? They can, they can goose step and march to Stefan Bandera's uh, tune all they want. But as soon as soon as um, it starts getting used for geopolitical leverage, and there's a uh, well, a inversion and distortion and hypocrisy that's permeating out of our institutes. That in, on the one hand is trying to push these woke values, but on the on the other will will, as you say, uh, allow uh, or, or nurture. The, the very principles that they pretend to be against. Yeah, uh, and, and you have you have people out there who who have apparently been psyoped to the extent that they think the Ukrainian army, um, which is has is massively infiltrated and compromised by it, and if if not as fully on board with um, being a you know, being the the tool of a state which is at a minimum ultra nationalist and and outright uh, and at a at a maximum verges into just open Nazism, um, is uh, is yeah the the, the literal the, these people think this this organization is the literal they them army right it's mm -hmm. it's a, a force for a, a force for gay rights right <laughs> um, like they think the Ukrainian armed forces are out there fighting for fighting under a rainbow flag <laughs> right it, it, and, it, it's it's sort of uh, equivalent to like the queers for Palestine and um, yeah you go you go try being a, a puff in a, in the West Bank see how long you last right yeah they, they won't last very long put it that way. <laughs> the, the extent to which the Ukrainians tolerate this sort of thing it, it very much holding their nose is not going to last not going to last long past the victory I'll put it that way oh yeah um, for, for sure man <laughs> they're one of least the useful idiots but they're what's the what's those idiots stopping useful guess what they're just idiots and they're going to <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it it would be brutal but you know you're you're seeing the leveraging of this um woke army i guess across twitter and yeah you see the, the leveraging of the you see the big psyop right the mm -hmm. where, where somehow the uh, somehow a bunch of eastern european ultra nationalists who you know uh, are uh in uh you know working for a authoritarian if not totalitarian regime 
by this point are um, suddenly defenders of you know human rights and Western democratic values. Mm. Like, and, and, and people just get, and this is just the result of propaganda pushed at every level. It's 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 really disturbing. Yeah, it's 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 military grade. Um psychological operations i would say that were honed very very sharply um it, it during the sort of middle east campaigns that were you know uh, I, I wouldn't even say the middle east campaigns i, I when it when the war kicked off i immediately recognized it is this is the covid propaganda mm. right this is covid but for for war yeah it's a, a same same organizations and these are private privatized quasi-military organizations that are um, running bot farms, running, um, you, you know, direct communications with government institutions. And we, we've, we're just seeing it emerge right now with um, Twitter, where I, I think the number was like 80, 80 FBI agents were installed in Twitter, if, I, if I'm recalling. Oh, oh God, their, their head of content moderation, I think, or something was the, the, the guy, the guy glowed like a supernova. Mm. Um, in fact, to the point where to the point where when Elon Musk was releasing the like the censorship files, he found out after he started releasing them that they had already been gone through. And yeah, it's redacted. They've <laughs> <laughs> been redacted but by by the, by the house spook. Yeah, yeah. and you know when 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 those organized and like I say that that they've they've been infiltrated by this the, the same. Uh, woke ideology. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I mean, you look at every every mainstream media organization. These people constantly hire people out of the security state. Which I mean, mm. look, I'm out of the security state myself, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind that. But uh, when you see, you look at you know, CNN employing literally dozens, I believe, of FBI, CIA agents. Mm. You, you begin to begin to wonder what which which parts the tail and which parts the dog. Mm. Yeah, and, and and again, I I would argue that this is just symptomatic of um our blind and deaf march into this hybrid next generation warfare it's glo it's global and um you know I, I i don't know why well there's many reasons why ukraine is a sort of um flashpoint but i i, I expect to see much much more of this moving forward and you know, uh, I mean, just to sort of address a point, Rose, I'm not really sure that Ukraine was a planned flashpoint, um, but it, it. I mean, when not with not with all the um, equipment and mercenaries that were being put in, you know, from my yeah. reading, it, it seemed very much like they they were looking to push into the, you know, the contested regions. The Donets. Oh yeah, which I, I agree, but I'm not. I guess. Uh, I guess sort of, sort of at a larger scale, I'm not. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree, but I'm not, I guess I'm not. Um, I'd say at a larger scale, I don't think that there was somebody pulling the strings in Washington ordering the Ukrainians to go in. I think this was something the something the Ukrainians uh, decided for themselves, and then, uh, well, and, and the thing was that you know the West had set the conditions for this to happen. So and the West was certainly willing to back them once they did it. And um, Newland and Blinken whispering in their ear, you've got all the oh, javelins yeah. now. You've got them. 
use them, right? And uh, now here we are. And well, I, you know, I guess this brings brings us back to the question: you know, does does Russia in the coming months push uh, across that sort of northern northern border? Um, well, uh, to to answer your question, I think they do. Um, and I would I would not be surprised if this happened within the next uh, within the next month. Um, just because that they've um, they've called up their reservists, they've trained them, uh, they've they've been moving troops into the area, and by this point, um, the and by this point, they know very well how to hide from uh, how to hide movements from uh, from NATO. We have satellites looking in this area all the time. They can certainly, they certainly know when they're being looked at, and they can, they can plan movements accordingly. Mm -hmm. This, this is actually something the the Russians were very, very good at doing during World War II. Was they, uh, they were during the latter half of the war, they very consistently caught the Germans on the back foot as far as when they were going to attack and how they were going to attack. And they put a lot of effort into doing this, and I think they've been getting into the getting to, into the old manuals as far as how to how to pull this kind of thing off. Yeah, and, you know, the the tactics that would have permeated uh, the Western institutions from the last 20 years, um, I don't... <sighs> completely different environment. And, it, of course, it's Russian backyard home turf, right? They, they know how to fight in... In that terrain, and um, well, you know, if I'm going to hedge my bets, I'm I'm putting them into Russia, pushing significantly into the country. Now, the the problem with that is, is how much. Now, this this was something you said. You gave it a phrase of something like with gambling losses. Right with the NATO and how how much do they keep putting in? Uh, what, what, what yeah, it, at what point does it become throwing good money after bad for NATO? I mean, I'd argue we we reached that part that point long ago mm. Um, mm. to the point where we're now talking about sending Ukraine stuff that we don't have a lot of, like Patriot, like the Patriot missiles. Um, mm. The U.S. only has has a small and finite number of Patriot missile launchers, right? Um, and it's not like the, the, the days of the arsenal of democracy are long over. We can't just manufacture weapon systems anymore. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, there have been discussions about how the amount of missiles that we've we've sent the Ukrainians to be used. Um, it's going to take a decade to to replenish some of those stockpiles. Really? Uh, well, that makes yeah. it makes the uh, military industrial complex yeah. happy, I guess. But the funny thing is, like even uh, the artillery shells we've been sending them. The uh, yeah, Congress passed a bill recently to increase to uh, rebuild to refill the stockpile of uh, artillery shells. Mm. And the funny thing is, uh, one of the provisions in there is we're not even we're not even going to make them ourselves. We're just going to buy them from other people. The, the magical supply chain will just will just shit one five five millimeter shells. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right? The market fixes all, bro. <laughs> yeah, the, the market is gonna is gonna rain munitions, despite the fact that they're. There's not exactly a lot of people who make those. Um, right. Last night, I, I, I was <laughs> under the impression the United States was a major manufacturer, but apparently not. <laughs> well, I, I, I just think the the posture had been one of 
um, th- warfare is going to be this more policing type actions that were taken over the, the, the Middle East, right? Um, so well, I, I think every every day the Russians probably fire more artillery shells in Afghanistan. We fired in a year. I think, I think every day the Russians fire more shells in Ukraine than we fired in a year in Afghanistan. Wow. And yeah, no no signs of stopping. Their missiles haven't stopped um, the. And you know, what's the what tactical advantage would putting some Patriot batteries do in the country? I I imagine very little. Well, it, 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 I'll tell you what it will do. It's it's not going to give the Ukrainians a capability they don't already have. Mm. But what it would do, what it would be, it would be uh, it would reconstitute a capability they've been losing, which is uh, Ukraine started the war with a large number of uh, Soviet SAM launchers, S three hundreds, and. Uh, and so an S-300 is basically the Soviet equivalent to a Patriot. It's a very capable missile, long-range, high-altitude, um, big, fast. The uh, thing is, the Russians have been destroying these things, like, um, in job lots. Uh, they've been, with every missile attack they've been doing, they've been firing anti-radiation missiles in with it. So every time one of those radars illuminates, it's, it's been getting destroyed. Um, they've been even sending in special forces teams to hunt these things down. Uh, they're using uh, using little kamikaze drones. Um, the, the Ukrainians have lost. Uh, it, well, they've lost a lot of launchers, and they've largely burned up their. My understanding is they've largely burned up their uh, stockpile of S three hundred missiles. And guess what? The only people who make those things anymore are the Russians. Right. <laughs> so maybe they'll so, do a discount. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we, we would really just be replacing uh, something. A destroyed capability with one with a roughly equivalent one which we can supply and uh, it's, it's not you can't just give, change, you can't give it game. to them though right who's there who's there able to operate those systems right they, that must take months and months of training to be able to use those systems and yeah it's not plug and play at all it's a large complicated system that takes a lot of training um, so, th- so the open question is who's operating the damn thing? Right. Is it going to be going to be contractors who got out of the U.S. military a month ago, and they're they're suddenly contractors now, and they're operating a Patriot in Kiev? Well, I, I have to presume so. And <laughs> again, what what is Russia supposed to think in such circumstances? Right, because uh, again, there's no one to negotiate with. You that that's a essentially a faceless corporation that's war profiteering in the current environment and yeah we've we've shown that oh, I, I don't want to say that i'm a representative of the west but uh, the western powers have shown that they're, they're not to be not to be trusted so yeah i think the only way this gets uh, I think I, I agree with you completely. I think the, the Russians are in a situation where they they are they feel with good reason like they can't negotiate a, a satisfactory solution to the conflict, and where even if they set, negotiated an unsatisfactory solution to the conflict, this would be viewed as a stepping stone to eventually to inflict harm on them later. Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. So. So, Bakhmut. How, how long do you think? that battle is going to continue well i mean it 
I mean, I think at the current rate of, of grind, it, you know, maybe another month. Um, at, if the Russians launch a large-scale invasion of the rest of Ukraine within that, that month, then it could be over in a matter of hours because the Ukrainians would presumably retreat. Mm. Uh, they'd retreat for fear of being cut off. But that's uh, the timing of that operation, the nature of that operation are very much up in the, up in the air right now. Um, I'd say the Russians have actually made some fairly significant advances into Bakhmut City itself um, just in the last couple of days. Yeah. So it, even with the amount of people and equipment that the Ukrainians are throwing in, it, it doesn't seem to be enough. Sad. Tragic, man. And so yeah. um, Bakhmut comes under Russian control and... I don't know if you had to give it sort of probabilities of an offense uh, or offensive action coming from the north, what 70, 80%? I mean, I'd say, yeah, 70, 80%. Um, as far as, as far as confidence, I mean, this, it's, uh, I, it, I'll just say that all the, as near as I can tell, all the ingredients are in place for the Russians to launch a large operation in the winter. I don't know how that how exactly that operation is going to look, but um, a lot of people were talking about it happening, and as near as anyone can tell, uh, the Russians have everything in place to do so. so. That's sort of my sort of my my assessment. And you know, I have to I have to ask about the role of air power in the current environment. Um, I have to, you know, I have to agree with you. you know, under the presumption that the Ukrainian air defenses have been significantly degraded, um, why why are we not seeing more more leverage of air power by the Russians right now? Well, I think they're they're just starting to get to the point where they can uh, where they can use that they're either either have not yet gotten there or they are just starting to get to the point where they can use uh, use air power unhindered. And also, I mean, the Russian doctrine is fairly different from the U.S. From the US as, far as, uh, as far as how they use their, their Air Force. Um, I mean, it, particularly since the end of the Cold War, the, the Russian Air Force has been largely focused on a defensive, uh, what we call defensive counter-air, which is, say, NATO decides to attack Russia. The Russian Air Force is largely going to be focused on fighting on defensive operations rather than doing uh, close air support and deep strikes like NATO has. So the Russians have been learning how to do this sort of, uh, you know, long-range, uh, you know, um, a lot of close air support, a lot of um, you know, long-range air operations um, in contested airspace, uh, sort, of, sort of for the first time. And, <clears throat> but uh, I mean, I think we're getting to the point where the, I think we're beginning to get to the point where the Russians will be able to use um, more, at least their tactical air force, uh, unhindered. I don't think we're going to see heavy Russian bombers dropping, you know, dropping dumb bombs in Ukraine anytime soon. Those things are the Russians have a very have a pretty limited number of them, and they're they're not going to risk them. Honestly, they're they're going to they value them as uh, cruise missile carriers and. Uh, you know, sort of their long-range strike assets against you know, potentially, you know, if they go to go to war with the United States, um, those are they're not going to risk those getting shot down over Ukraine. So, I mean, I, I guess, I guess this brings up the question: 
or, or the the events of the last few weeks, which saw uh, air bases in Russia get hit. And you know, I know I know we discussed this, but I think it's yeah. of interest for people listening. So you know, the, the question I had for Armchair Warlord was how how did they manage that? <laughs> and could you could you give the what, what you consider to be what what happened and how they did it? Well, I um well. Um, what I mean, what, what I think likely happened is uh, the Ukrainians have a number of uh, about a number of old Soviet reconnaissance drones. Um, and can you bring up the pictures of those? They're kind of uh, oh yeah, definitely cool looking. Um, then then we can work through the the mechanics of how they how they did it but um yeah let me let me pull this up here whoops and just whilst you're pulling that up um, would you would you know the numbers of these missiles that they have? Oh yeah, so uh, there were only about 150 of these ever made while the, the Soviets were in business. Um, but the the Ukrainians apparently ended up with uh, Ukrainians apparently ended up with um, something like uh, apparently ended up with uh, something like 60 of them. And we know they've used a few of them because what one actually crashed in Croatia early back in March. Oh right, um, yeah. which a bomb. The uh, you, you want to talk about sketchy things the Ukrainians have done? It's um, firing a so, a long range Soviet reconnaissance drone rigged with explosives into the European Union. <laughs> right. right. So, so I, I just I'm trying to look so, at so probably they they took oh, one of these. So a TU-141 Stritch drone, which has about a thousand kilometer range, so it's it can it can make the distance and it's it's fast. Um, and they probably, I would say, rigged it with uh, pulled the avionics out, rigged it with uh, modern avionics, uh, rigged it with a warhead, <clears throat> and uh, managed to. I uh, managed to get it into Russian airspace somehow. Now there's there's different theories about this. Um, I, I mean, I mean, l likely the likely a lot of it has to do with the fact that particularly when something is inside of Russian airspace, um, particularly they launched it from somewhere in because yeah, they, they they didn't this this was a a strike they sort of had to set up for for a long time. So particularly if they launched something from say Central Asia, right? Um, you know, had it shipped out of the country and. You know, fired it from a, a sympathetic country in Central Asia. Well, the Russian, you know, Russian air defenses are not going to just shoot down anything suspicious in their airspace willy-nilly. Um, that's there's a lot of civilian airliners in Russia, um, and well, that's the Ukrainians that do that, right? Was it UA? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In fact, the Russians shot down a uh, shot down an airliner in um, 2001. We know they did, and <clears throat> there was a a lot of dispute over who shot down MH17. 
Um, so it's a, an airliner which was shot down over the Donbass in 2014. Um, and uh, it's sort of the both sides point fingers at each other, and I'm not going to take a stance on that one. But yeah, you know, uh, airliners get shot down in in wars with disturbing frequency. Um, in fact, the Iranians shot one down uh, when the U.S. did a did a um, uh, when the U.S. did a uh, actually right after the U.S. Uh, killed Qasem Soleimani in a drone strike in Baghdad, the, the Iranians thought they were going to uh, thought the U.S. was launching some kind of large scale attack on them at the time. They they their air defenses fired on an, one of their own airliners. Um, so uh, and and the Russians haven't grounded all civilian aviation. There's a lot of civil aviation flying around in Russia. Well. Particularly something like a uh, you know, little drone like this could be fired from Central Asia. Doesn't look and so little to me, dude. It looks... It's not a little drone, by the way. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. It's it's a, a very big drone. Very, it's a very big drone. It's, you know, the size of a smallish fighter jet. Yeah, um, yeah. I'd say almost uh, yeah, fighter jet size. Yeah, it's. it's oh. I mean, you can sort of get a get a sense of the size of the thing here. This is a photo which was obviously taken by you know, a person standing and. It's the size of a smaller fighter jet. Um, well, I mean, R- Russian air defenses in in deep Russia are probably going not going to uh, fire on anything suspicious. Not just because it's suspicious, they're going to wait until there's some kind of confirmed hostile intent. And uh, it looks like in this case, they didn't get confirmed hostile intent until the things had a, until things were quite close to the airfields. Whereupon both drones were actually. Um, the Ukrainians fired one at Ryazan and one at uh, one at Angels, both of which were bases hosting Russian bombers. Um, yeah, and th- th- those and, are those. And at both, yeah, and at both airfields, the drones were shot down. Um, they they weren't shot down by long range SAMs or Russian fighters. They were shot down by uh, by short range air defenses. So, so it, it it basically got within the perimeter of the base, as I understand it, and there there were even casualties as a as a consequence. Uh, yeah, it was on uh, three people were killed and seven people were injured because basically some of the, the debris hit a fuel truck, which was uh, in operation at the time, and um, which blew that up and killed killed a number of people. Um, but the, uh, and, and as look, far as being a successful attack, they you know, destroyed bombers. They managed to, to lightly damage the tail section of a single TU-95. That was, that was about as far as it went. But in, in terms of... Uh an escalation i i would in, in my mind that's quite significant because i i don't i don't think that the ukrainians did that all by themselves <laughs> they had they had help um again well, I, I certainly think they had significant tactical help as far as preparing the uh have you seen the ukrainian sea drones no those things no well let, let me pull it out because this is something the ukrainians absolutely could not um <laughs> could not put together on their own uh, they, they attacked. Um, they've done a number of attacks on the uh, on um, Russian uh, naval forces in, in Sevastopol with uh, these little like jet ski drones, which clearly have a lot of Western electronics and sensors incorporated into them. And I think they did something similar with this uh, this old uh, Soviet um, reconnaissance drone. What's it? What's it called? Uh, Stritz. Yeah, Stritz. Or, I mean, it was sure how you pronounce it. It's a uh, S-T-R-I-Z-H is, I guess, how it's... Well, it's, it's you know, being a... Uh, 
I don't know, casual fan of uh, avionics. But looks uh, looks cool. Uh, here we go. Yeah, I mean it's interesting stuff. Mm. Not gonna lie, it's quite interesting stuff. This is a uh, this is one of their naval drones. It's a. And I mean, you, you can you can very much see this. This is the sort of thing the U.S. Navy has been worried about itself for a long time. They're like, well, I think there's some some thinking. Well, we'll go make something that we're go go, go make something like that for the Ukrainians. Yeah. And is is this what blew up the bridge? Uh, no, that was a suicide truck bomb. Was like uh, literal uh, truck packed full of explosives with a now. There was discussion as to whether the, the driver knew it was going to explode or not, but there it was a you know, truck being driven by a dude. Um, I mean, there was some footage I was like, ah, it does look maybe it was a missile, but um, no, they, they they tracked it down. It was a it was a truck that was uh, basically loaded with explosives in a fairly sophisticated way, and then driven. They managed to get it through the security checkpoint on the east side and uh, and detonated it on the bridge. Is it sort of loaded with explosives in one of those ways that gives the TSA nightmares? Right, right. And, uh, yeah, West have had uh, a lot of practice in trying to think of yeah, ways it, to. Uh... It turns out that it turns out that uh, after having war gamed all the ways to get through airport security for twenty years, we're awfully good at doing it ourselves. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's um, all these practice sessions, right? All suddenly coming into play, and uh, uh, we've been, we've been gamed so much, man. Um, yeah. by, by these people to get to this point, and uh, he, here they are, unleashing all their all their drone technologies, and gah, it's it's disturbing. And it really is. I mean, there's um, some news out today. There's because the Ukrainians are always throwing like aerial drones at Sevastopol, and they're constantly getting shot down. It's not a very effective way to attack, but they keep on trying to do it. And um, apparently, there's some U.S. company that came out today that you know. Was talking about how they were providing the drones for this. Um, they developed it, so it's a this this war is weird because in, in a lot of ways it's it's you know the the Cold War that the Cold War gone hot as we saw it in, in the 1990s. There's a lot of you know, 1990s systems out there, but the other hand, there's the same time there's stuff like this. Uh, you know, this very 21st century. Uh, New model stuff, you know, robotic warfare happening, yeah, um, cyber autonomous. warfare happening, yeah, autonomous, the, autonomous the, robots. Um, the uh, like the, the the Ukrainian command and control system got hacked. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that, <laughs> uh, like just got yeah, completely just you know, opened up and hacked by uh, God knows how long the Russians had penetrated it for. Well, um, I, I mean, it, it would make sense that the Russians would um, put significant efforts into g getting access to those systems. But uh, oh, absolutely! I mean, it, it 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 just sort of goes to show the the 21st century character of the war. But you know, we're stepping over so many sort of ethical and, and moral boundaries in my mind, and it, you know, you can argue it happened with the Middle East and the predator drones and that sort of that, that evolved into sort of stealth drones and um and you know the the push towards making them pilotless right or or the, the pilot is someone 
thousands of miles away um pushing the button on a on a hellfire right um uh, i i think we may come to regret sort of allowing allowing militaries to go down that that pathway but um yeah yeah i, I mean my yeah i mean <laughs> I mean, my, I mean, my bottom line here is I would like to see a a satisfactory peace concluded in Ukraine that isn't uh, isn't. There's a uh, I guess there's an old joke about uh, the Treaty of Versailles, where you know, the, the Treaty of Versailles was a uh, was a twenty year ceasefire. Mm-hmm. Well, as it turns out, the fall of the Soviet Union was a thirty year ceasefire. I'd like to see the I'd like to see a peace come out of this war that isn't another twenty year ceasefire. All right. Mm. Well, the, the problem the problem is is there's there's too much there's too much vested interest in um, churning the money through these um, the conflicts and you know one of the big things that happened whilst I was away was the um, F- FTX um, scandal right oh yeah Which, that was crazy and yeah. you know those people were up to their up to their their necks in Ukraine that was that yeah. was one of the big ways Ukraine got money yeah it's, it's uh, um, sh- shocking. Um, well, is it breakdown? But just you know, abuse of these systems, people's trust, and uh, a, a form of currency exchange that um, well, there's a lot of questions about whether it's a, a good or bad way. You know, anything that sort of takes away. Um, power from central banking i'm i'm all for bring it on but you know of course it's going to be abused by um intelligence networks and you know how how much how much money was laundered through just one company what what other companies are doing it that we don't know about right now oh yeah it's i mean you want to and i flagged this before uh, the the extent to which all laws take a holiday when you when it's Ukraine on the line. Mm. I mean, laws against arming dirty units, laws against laundering money, laws against uh, like the, the, just <clears throat> the anti-gun Biden administration. Uh, <clears throat> you know, ignoring our U.S. small arms export laws to get guns into Ukraine. Like, if you if you tried to do some of the stuff that American companies have done to get weapons into ukraine in any other circumstance you would be in jail until the sun expands into a red giant and swallows the earth yep Yep. of that i have no doubt and um um well i i guess we sort of have to sit here and ghoulishly watch this unfold as they as they bring these systems into play um, yeah, just, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we're a uh, <laughs> little voice screaming in the void. Yeah. yeah. What, what, what can we do? And, you know, all I say all the time on my streams is right now, our, our goal is just to get through to the other side of this. Right. That, just, just and the thing is, you know, people clearly listen to people clearly listen to us. Right. People, people listen to us. 
um, that they wouldn't they wouldn't go after your stream so hard if you weren't putting out information that, that they didn't want to get out. Mm. Yeah, um, and so yeah. <laughs> just uh, it, what what side am I? supposed to be on and and right now i don't i don't want to be I, I, everything that i look at here well particularly particularly supposedly the the culture that i came from i'm i'm physically nauseated by the, the actions that i'm seeing and <laughs> it's like there's there's nothing that's not on the table with respect to the actions that they'll take and yeah, it's get deeply disturbing. I mean, I spent nine years in the army. Mm. In my hat here, <laughs> you know? and, and it's like, what, what the, and and this is what you know. My my previous employer, which is what my previous employer goes off goes off and does. Mm. You know, <laughs> the yeah, a few months after I step out the door. <laughs> yeah, you lucked out, bro. <laughs> Yeah, I I chose a good time to get out of the army. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. And you know, I just I, I I don't see the. It would be hard to gin up the motivation, I think, in the United States to say, "Oh, we're we're getting into direct conflict with Russia." At, at, at you know that everyday individual level, right? right? Well, and that's part of the problem is that we haven't had the. You know, uh, we haven't had the, the discussion. Um, there hasn't been, you know, Congress hasn't debated this. Mm -hmm. They're certainly willing to, 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 to you know, vote for money, but they haven't debated whether, they haven't had any kind of debate as to whether this is a good idea. Um, and so much of it is so many decisions getting made are getting made in, you know, back rooms in Langley. It's not okay. And it's the, you know, the topsy-turvy, look at all this it's it's the democrat side you know the so the, the left what i would have presumed to be the left and anti-war um parties and positions these are the ones that are um lusting for for blood right now um yeah they're, yeah it's it's a an inversion of the way people people usually advertise and you see that the anti-war activists here and the people you think would be the anti-war activists right they they portray themselves the anti-war folks, the people who are screaming against Iraq, um, people who are calling us a bunch of bad guys in Iraq, and they're they're all in on Ukraine. Yeah, couldn't be in war. Yep. And um, the I, the problem with that is um, those on well, the uh, the bright side of the political spectrum, I, I I think are less inclined to sort of mass action on on the streets. To, that the left would do, right? That they, they, yeah. they are um, supremely excellent at managing to get people onto street corners, out in large numbers for you know whatever, whatever the thing is that their ideology um, deems uh, <laughs> important for that day. And um, my concern is that what that does is um, it's dragging. It's dragging the U.S. closer to a war where they physically have to put boots on the ground. This week I've seen um, quite a bit of footage of um, heavy U.S. hardware being moved around, M1 Abrams, uh, you know, that sort of level. 
of uh, armor, armor, and there isn't the uh, the the support of what I would consider the backbone of the military in the U.S. Those those that serve, those that the the families that support them in this in this conflict. Uh, yeah, we're we're sleepwalking in the war, and um, and it, it's it's a. It's a bad day when you and I have to rely on the the wisdom and the diplomatic finesse of Vladimir Putin mm. to keep uh, to to keep you know, World War Three from breaking out because we have that little faith and confidence, and with good reason we have that little faith and confidence in our own in our own you know, institutions of in the West, mm. which seem to be just happily poking the bear and thinking the bear is going to slap back. Mm. Well, and. Um making money hand over fist through all sorts of corrupt and backdoor deals um it's it's an a, a, absolutely oh, did, did, did i ever show you this i have to show you this picture uh, but before before we rewrap the stream I, I need to show you this picture this is a a microcosm of the war in ukraine <laughs> a microcosm of the of the corruption here let me let me but it did, it's just a picture of a dog poo on the pavement. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's worth a mile. Uh, <laughs> where, where where is this? Where is this? I mean, um, should should the US be dragged into this? Is are you still sort of contractually bound that they can call you up? Uh, no, I'm right now. I'm I'm out of the army. Um, I'm not. I, I didn't get out of the army by retirement. If you retire from the army, you're you're still kind of a little bit in the army. Mm. Um, you're like like the UCMJ actually can still apply to you in some circumstances. Um, I separated from the army, so I don't have a I have a relationship with like the VA, right? But I, I don't have a relationship with the U.S. Army anymore. So. Now that doesn't say you know, Congress couldn't pass a law and get me back in. Like I'd, I'd be a prime candidate for that. Right. I'm, I'm still. I'm sure you can. I'm sure your audience knows. I'm still very much in the game. Probably, probably one of the. Um, probably a. I'd probably consider a pretty pretty serious expert on how how things are happening around here. Um, if the Pentagon wanted to listen to what I had to say. <laughs> well, uh, but, it's got infiltrated by Brinton's in dog masks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, if, if I can, uh, if we can uh, get, if we can move the dog mask orgy to the other conference room, and I can put my presentation on, that would be about you know like Russian capabilities in Ukraine. What we're, <laughs> what, what, we're, what we're going into here, um, that would be nice. Yeah, just um, just push the orgy. <laughs> what? For, what, what a mental image. This presentation, please. I would appreciate that. It would be, I'm, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, so you'd want those. Uh, you'd want those woke human resources to uh, wager a complaint. All right, big boy, what's that? Dad, daddy's going to finish up soon. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this was the the Ukrainian politician before and after uh, they got before and after the the uh, the foreign aid. I know. I saw this picture too. I had to ask, is this real? I thought it. I thought it again. It was a joke. I'm pretty sure it's real. I mean, I'm not like dead certain it's real, but I mean, it's like I'm pretty certain this is a real photo. Well, I mean, the watch is the same, I guess. 
Uh, I'm surprised you didn't upgrade your watch. Like, like you get you get that much money for plastic surgery, you don't you don't buy the Rolex. Come on. <laughs> the thing is, I it's prefer like I prefer the one on the left. I literally prefer the one on the left. She looks like she's got like a like, like a little bicycle pump port in there. She's gonna pump those up. <laughs> Do you know, have you seen a picture that I think is a teacher in Canada? Oh my! I was I was considering bringing that up earlier. I was like, that's just too disgusting. <laughs> but just, um, I, I, I've I've been told that he's more um, he's trying to sort of poke the system. It's not uh, um. He doesn't really sort of believe it and stuff. Um, he's been. Very... I, I'm sure that's what he claimed after he got called out on major national news sources for being a <laughs> for being a, a few crayons short of a pack. Mm. Well, <laughs> I don't even know if they're real or just a sort of prosthetic that he walks around with. But... I guess like a prosthetic that he like wears. <laughs> what the fuck, man? <laughs> We're doomed, dude. Doomed. It's, we seem to have been cursed to live in interesting times. I'll put it that way. And God, it's, that, that is not attractive to me, right? Because yeah, it just it just looks like two bags. Stuck. Well, like I said, it looks like she pumps those up with like a bicycle pump. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I bet. Well, I bet. Way, when... you know, the only thing she's had she's had done. She's had her ass pumped as well. Um, yeah, she got a butt job. I, she had her cheeks done. I want to say at least. Mm. Um, what a what a odd psychological state to have that degree of body dysmorphia that that you think that <laughs> you're willing to part with a hundred grand to have. Uh... Yeah, I just realize like men in <laughs> you, you, you want to talk about like having men find you attractive like. Be at a healthy weight. All right. Live and work on be at a healthy weight, and you're automatically a 7 out of 10. Yeah. 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 For most okay, dudes. Yeah. Uh, be, be nice, demur. Um, you know, don't. Yeah. If you have a good personality, you're like a 9 out of 10. Right. Um, then, then your looks come in. I mean, if, you, you, if you're at a healthy weight and you you're have a nice personality, it doesn't care if you're, it doesn't care if you're a, a reverse centaur. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, My, you're, you're looking people then will be interested in you yeah <laughs> dudes, dudes will be easy to please but again we get into this very bizarre um psychology where you know technology has sort of warped everything so women are, are predisposed to a, a um hyper gamey right where they're always trying to sort of move across and up trying to move towards uh what they perceive as a, a better mate and yeah and and what happens is is the you know the i don't know the chad types are able nowadays to um sort of increase their virtual harem and th these where women before would have you know settled and there would have been a more sort of even distribution among among the populations that's that's all been yeah i think they did studies on like tinder or something and 20 percent of the men get almost all the women mm, yeah and and the the women just uh they you know they call uh men pigs but <laughs> the, the women are just as uh, as bad and um you know the again we get into this discussion of, uh, about where the moral and ethical boundaries are when we when we drop this technology on people 
Um, you know, like, are we are we fundamentally changing the way you know uh, people? Is is it ethical to fundamentally change the way people form relationships? Yeah. Right, and to to distort the relationship market this much to the point where it, you know impacts are impacts the nation because now we're it's it's driving fertility down. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, these are these are deep questions, and you know it, it gets into the radfem ideology of convincing young girls that life in a cubicle is a is a fulfilling um, use of their time rather than um, motherhood, and you know th- 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 there's been a long uh, sustained attack, subversive attack on our foundational principles, and this is this is precisely what Putin talks about and i i think he's very eloquent when he raises these issues yeah, I mean, he's an articulate guy and i mean the, the the challenge i'd put to anybody in the west who's you know wants to go after him is okay okay uh, well where's your where's your actual response and are you responding to the man himself or are you responding to the caricature that exists in your head mm-hmm. and right are, are you responding to what the russians are actually doing or are you, are you responding to the propaganda that gets pushed about them in the west because we need an enemy mm. And the well, I I, I find myself being very um, support, sympathetic to to their position. And we we should be learning from them instead. Instead, we're going and trying to um, well. Crush, crush their cultural and civilizational structures. Um, and, well, and, and I mean, you know, I mean, in the the crazy thing is that in the, um, not to mention that uh, the the Russians have been identified with the American right in in the mind of progressives for a long time. So there's a certain amount of there's a certain amount of what, what I worry about is a certain amount of uh, this. This is what they. This is what some of these people would like to do to. Conservatives in America. Oh yeah, dude. There's some projection and some vicarious living happening, and it's not a good kind of vicarious living. And um, if 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 America falls, and you know doesn't find those traditional standards, ah, that the the whole world is done. And you know we we have to we have to as a culture. Um, Get a get a handle and a grip on those who who are, are comfortable engaging in the types of actions that we're seeing right now. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to a lot of this stuff isn't <clears throat> isn't stuff that can be sustained. It's not something we should we should tolerate either. It's um it's well, it's it's, it's, it's ex- reprehensible. It's existentially dangerous to. Um, the, the 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 most fundamental parts of the of our culture, um, you, know, you you break down and attack families, and um, you know there's there's just chaos looming when you I do mean, that. Failing one to yourself, this is even more disturbing to you than it is to me. Because because of, of the kids and the yeah, I mean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. If I had a finger, I'd be terrified. 
Yeah, and, and look, um, in in Japan, like I say, it, it's it's not so much an issue. And look, I, I was, it it was nice when I went to the U.S. Right, that I, I didn't meet any of that uh, deranged leftist side. And I I went up and down the country, dude. Yeah, I went. For yeah, and, and, and yeah, and. and... And you're you're right. It's 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 thin on the ground, but it's omnipresent, and the culture is the problem. Yeah. So, um, I just uh, let's hope Kanye gets uh, the optics a little better. <laughs> we... Yeah, Kanye needs to uh, to um, I don't know. I hate to say he needs to focus group his talking points, but that guy needs to dial it down a lot. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, I'm I'm with him when he's talking about you know he's he's talking about the uh, manifestation of the subversion when he's talking about how pernicious the pornography has become how um, the, uh, the the values of family have been degraded um, t- to the point of well you know it's it's what's pushed in the media as the idea was is nothing but a joke and a circus it's that warped warped woman who who thinks you know a few hundred thousand on fake tits is is the is the ideal look and it's it's not it's not healthy (laughs) word of advice ladies uh i've from experience if the titties don't sort of lay down when you lay down it's not attractive, right? So. Yeah, and and trust me, men will find you attractive. All right, <laughs> men think you're hot. Don't 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 go the silicon. Stay away from the silicon. It's not good for you. Yeah, if it involves a bicycle pump, stay away from it. Okay. <laughs> you don't need that. Yeah, I had to. I had this chick when I was in Israel, man, and uh, guess she was hot, but um, that's. You know, when she was in the dress, the tits looked nice. But yeah. <laughs> laying down, just it's like still completely just like <laughs> yeah, lumps concrete. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, that's 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 not that's not all natural. That's that's uh that's got some plastic in it. Yeah, I don't feel like nuzzling up in those things. Well, yeah. I did, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <I'm blaming. laughs> but it was just in, in, in any event on on that on that case we've been going for almost two hours here i think, yeah. I'm, I think I'm yeah the kids kids anymore <laughs> kids want the computer but thank thank you very much Tyler, for the, been, been a pleasure being on um yeah because you, you you do give uh really really good breakdowns and um yeah uh I'm glad. I'm glad we've got sort of um, access to an expert um, who's who's taken. I need, to, I need to watch more of your medical streams. It's fascinating stuff. Honestly, it's just I'm, it, so much of it goes over my head. I'm like, yeah, SARS, COVID. It's it's it, they grew it in a lab. Like just 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 imagine me like doing my Alex Jones monologue over here. Like it's from a lab. <laughs> it's a bio weapon. <laughs> but it is, and you know that's that's how I try to sort of um, frame the. The dialogue now is that um, it's we're in this next world war. Um, the the issue is having people recognise what's going on, and um, you know the the sad reality of it is once once all the you know the 
social engineering aspect has run its course, you end up probably looking like Ukraine. And yeah. uh, no, I'd say we we don't end up looking like the Ukraine that is as bad as that is. We, we end up looking like the Ukraine that's in the heads of some of its more deranged supporters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And God. I, I hope America you know, doesn't get dragged in further, but um, we, we, we need to we need to pull the pull the plan out of the dive here. This is bad enough as it is. Mm, yeah, very very much so. All right, bro. Uh, I'll let you go. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Been a pleasure being on. I love to, love to come back anytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I I think things are going to heat up, right? So um, I'll, I'll no doubt be yeah, knocking well, on the. What's going on, bro? Yeah, well, we'll see how see how things develop. I could be uh, could be making some. This map could look a lot different. Uh, I mean, this time next week for all. Mm, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. All right, bro. Thank you very much. Later, Kevin. Take it easy. Yeah, take it easy. All right, there we go, folks. The uh, awesome, awesome armchair warlord. Um, right. <laughs> Let me. I'll I'll go through some uh, comments there, and uh, yeah, I'll just uh, just say to the ladies, um, no silicon. You don't need it. Even even small titties are attractive. All right. Uh, bu- 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 bu. Let's. I don't know how far back this is, but uh, HKLM says Big Mouth Merkel told Putin Germany never took Minsk agreement seriously. That's right. Uh, Central Pete said February offensive. I, I don't know, man. Um, let's say, as uh, Tyler just said, maybe next week it'll look very different. Uh, let's see, Ireland says, I think America will be forced into humiliation ritual where the biolabs will be exposed and America will be viewed by the world as the threat we are by exposing our worst CIA operations. Yeah, it's it's looking um, a lot like that. And um, <laughs> for history's sake, not in my name, bro. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it. Let it burn. Uh, let's see, Russia knows our Patriot missiles are in Ukraine and we'll take out the bigger planes. Um, well, we'll probably take out their... We'll, uh, they'll take out their Patriots. Um, uh, our drones are in Russia doing them dirty. Uh, I would imagine Skylink involved, yes. Uh, let's see, destroy ADs from the ground to open a corridor for air, something I do frequently in strategy games. Leave ground targets very vulnerable afterwards. Um... Air defense, I guess, is what you mean by ADs. I wonder how much hypersonic missile costs. Ah, a lot. <laughs> Can I just have 10%? Let's see. Um, should have taken out the banks 100 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's uh, a lot to that. Um, and I want to give a shout out to Mark for a dono. You can have a... Uh, what can you have? <laughs> you had enough? And let me just check uh, if anyone left the donor here. Uh, no. And let me just check on this. Uh, just respond there. Um, all right. Uh, can anyone please help me out with an off-topic question? Since 2019, I've been using lots of vitamin supplements out of fear. Does anyone know if this is dangerous for my body? Ah, your body will tell you, bro. <laughs> I think I think literally the only really problematic one is vitamin A. Um, the rest, you're just making expensive urine a lot of the time. Uh, 
Uh, let's see. People have died from too many vitamins. Yes, they have, but um, it's a... It's been normal with them. Uh, let's see. Um, hang on. And just a multivet. Let's see. Looks like a narco sub. Yes, it did. Um, Central Pete says not truck. Um, yeah. I, I, again, I did see the. You know, when you when you looked at the bridge from my perspective, um, it does look like the uh, when you're looking down the bridge, it looked like the truck exploded. But I did see a camera shot from the side which seemed to show a missile strike but again i don't know you know how much is footage from armor free uh let's see i think i'm overdoing it <laughs> just uh calibrate it with your weed smoking jim would be uh my my advice the ai is coming to drone you very likely um uh do, 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 do. i've been in so much fear worrying i'm gonna die of some strange illness <laughs> Dude, wait, eat oily fish like Red Barshetta says. Uh, let's see, no teeth, no pushback. Let's see, I agree. We are merely slipping through the mountains on the way to Mordor. <laughs> what, was, what was that meme you did? Uh, minimal chance of success, maybe certainty of death. What are we waiting for? <laughs> Great line. Uh, let's see. So far, Russia seems to get advantage of everything US does. Well, th because we're run by incompetence or deranged psychopaths. <laughs> you know, Russians seem concerned about their families. We're, we're more concerned about making uh, degens for, uh, for the human zoo that we've become. All right, uh, let's see. Do, 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 we'll get Russia to become part of NATO. Well, you know, there, there was talk about that. I grew up through the Cold War. And, you know, I can remember the sense of relief when it sort of wound down. And, yeah, that it should have been concretized in a, in a more formal manner. And, and, and literally, hindsight being 2020, that those countries should have just been demilitarized and turned it into um super economic zones with with low tax that both sides could have have used but no that would have been too helpful for the the common man <sighs> let's see um let's talk about vitamins um if you're near dc i hope you like sarmat Oh, the, um, yeah. hang on, we'll play this. No, no, do it here. Come on. Sarmat, come into a city near you. Здесь вы видите проведение испытательных пусков наших ракет. Самые малые из них выезжают на Красную площадь, а самые большие просто на Красную площадь не поместятся. Они очень крупные. Сейчас вы видите, собственно говоря, это Тополь, Ярс, это ракета для подводной лодки Булава, ну и, собственно говоря, Сармат. Значит, такая ракета может снести половину берега какого-то крупного континента, который нам может не понравиться своей агрессивной политикой. 
Мы планируем, что уже осенью этого года первые ракеты станут на боевое дежурство. Мы также изготавливаем на наших предприятиях еще и «Искандеры» и ракеты «Кинжал» гиперзвуковые. Уф. This shouldn't be happening. Yet there's there's a sick, sick cabal who's who's profiting from it. And again, what what are we to do? We must get through to the other side. And the the policy here is don't engage. Don't say run away. Defend defend your home, um, but stay away from the corporate technocracy wars. Let let them do it. Uh, I'm with armchair. Would you guys seriously wear those to make a point? No. Uh, let's see. Let it burn. Let it burn indeed. Uh, women with boob jobs lose their muscle tone and get fat. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I say, just um, from you know, just from experience. Um, anyway. Kind of looks nice in the club, but <laughs> just—it's like getting in a car and then, fit, you know, you know the suspension is off. Okay, so good to see you. Uh, Bazooms give backache. Uh, sure, anything on the other side of Mad Max is better than. <laughs> looks like there's more people on Twitch these days. Maybe. Um... Like I say, we're, I'm having to sort of distribute across platforms uh, to keep keep the streams going out. Uh, let's see. Hypergamy is real. Yes, it is. Rose. Rose. Sleep with multiple men a day all the time. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but look, man, <laughs> there are dudes who will do it as well. And uh, the, the, the problem is, it's just the human dynamics is the they they will gravitate towards each other and basically we've just uh we've opened the floodgates to uh indulging in any of our impulses what, what an achievement bravo western civilization bravo <sighs> yeah okay link from good doggy i gotta press it what's this I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. So do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides the will of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring. In which case, you also were meant to have it. And that is an encouraging thought. (laughs) 
is it one one does not one does not break the ring of pedos uh let's see jimmy says i've got my email from kevin hit the youtube link um yeah uh putin bad um i don't think so the whole world is done sounds like some kind of plan yep kanye is bait maybe maybe but again i i would i would put it in the context of somehow the discussion needs to be broached about the metaphysical and eschatological um frameworks of uh groups that are potentially subversive and enemy competence and uh, that's that should apply to islam christianity judaism um especially the armageddon driven sex right now um so I, would, I will wager i'll put i'll put a lot of chips on that 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 those eschatologies are driving a lot of where we find ourselves today uh rock girl says don't chop up your bits no keep them natural <laughs> talking about old titties yes uh Punjabi Sefer says thank you for the intel to armchair warlord yeah like I say um I'm I'm very very grateful for his time because you know there's there's loads of people on the internet that internet that will spout all kinds of shite um about Ukraine but um Tyler if is anything um brings a degree of precision to the analysis and um yeah I'm I'm very very grateful we're um we're in contact uh let's see wake the zombie wars yep <laughs> meanwhile his kid is rocking the gimp suit at Balchanka. <laughs> is that true is that true uh da, 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 da. let's see um thank you yeah i did that um do, 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 do. Really, Kev, is it just a waste of money? Is what just a waste of money? Uh, vitamins? No, no, no. I let I I take supplements and stuff, and you've got to find what works for you. And um, you know, I I have to work hard to maintain, and my health isn't good. And um, I don't I I don't see anything wrong in, you know, if you've got. A little bit of spare cash <laughs> trying to see yourself yeah, just functioning a little better but you know a, a lot of it is actually should be through your food rather than supplementation and jimmy um looking at you uh you you seem a robust picture of health um for your years um don't, don't worry about it too much bro uh dr mccann great live work with britain uh you're welcome uh let's see armchair always enjoy it yep me too uh we seem to be very good at making degens though yeah yeah um and again why wouldn't why wouldn't russia uh an old old culture <laughs> just be just be looking at the state of us right now and and i feel fucking hostile to it right so yeah i i can understand how the ruskies feel now you know maybe maybe it's uh 
Well, boys, I reckon this is it. Nuclear combat toe-to-toe with the Ruskies. Maybe. Maybe. But you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm a conscientious objector in this corporate global homo war. <laughs> he can fuck right off. Uh, Punjabi Prepper says Russian ICBMs are liquid fuel, require filling up before deployment. American ICBMs are solid fuel, ready to deploy at a moment's notice. Uh, I don't think they're all liquid fueled, to tell the truth. Um, a lot of, especially a lot of the shorter range missiles. Um, also, they're sub based uh, missiles. Um, oh, rotten politics in the chat. Good to see you, bro. Russia has 3,000 plus ICBM. No one wins nuclear war. No, we don't. Just uh, let's let's just try and wind it back in a little bit, please. Can the adults have a discussion and not the degenerate dog mask wearing gimps? Thank you very much. Uh, uh, yep, yeah, good to see you, RP. Uh, AKLM says uh, Pax Judaica. Uh, what can I say? The hashtag they always uh, always come through. Um, let's see. I know a wheelchair bong lord. <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Provide that's in the conversation, but uh, shout out to the wheelchair bong lord. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy I know a uh, armchair warlord. <laughs> Kev, did you see that? Yes, let's let's put on Kadyrov. I I've got that uh, queued up somewhere. Let's let's have some Kadyrov. Where is it? Ah. Uh, where did I put it? Uh, da, da, da. Is this it? <laughs> I maybe I maybe only got the one. There was a YouTube one as well with the snake. Um, hang on. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Come here. <laughs> Hola, Akbar. This shit is the hero. Stop. Stop not. <laughs> I'll have to look in his hands now. That's great. Um, give me the. Uh, is it in the Ukraine folder? I want the one with the snake. That one was. That one was badass. Yes, here it is. Come here. Open. Well, talk beer. Takbir 
Oh, Kadyrov. Oh, he's so strong. <laughs> so big. He's so big. So so strong. <laughs> I had another one. Um, I'll just play it now. It sort of uh, slots in quite well with what we're talking about. Um, a, a blast from the past. Um, come here. Uh, old, uh, old Grandpa Gaddafi, words of wisdom. Hey, make it big. عارفين احنا هدفهم شنو هو احتلال البترول والغاز والفحم والحديد هذه المناجم بما فيها الذهب اللي موجود في روسيا في الخ... Is he wrong? Is he wrong? I don't think so. And uh old uh old grandpa Gaddafi you know it's it's Africa you got to have a bit of tyrant in you maintain control. But look what look what we did. Look what we did to that country. One of the most prosperous in Africa, and now they've got open-air slave markets. After we went in there and they bayoneted him in the asshole, and what uh, Hillary Clinton was, ah, uh, we came, he saw, he died, ha 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 ha. We're so messed up. <laughs> We're screwed. We're screwed. Hey, come on, come on, Grandpa Gaddafi, tell us. <laughs> والله لازم تاخذوا بالكم بجد في عهد موجود اني حي ولا بعدي ولا منها هذيك الابدايه مسجل وموجود اذا شيء حلف الاطلسي يقدر يحتل ليبيا وممكن يستشهد وكل If NATO came to occupy Libya, we could all be martyred unless we had national protection. The entire Arab nation is united by a military force that regards the attack on Libya as an attack on all Arabs. Uh, yeah, they, they squashed that, didn't they? They didn't come in and occupy you, <laughs> they came in and looted you. <laughs> opening, opening the way. Opening the way for uh, the the bleak the bleak tsunami to come into Europe. Thanks, NATO. Really appreciate it. Uncle Adolf Kadarov, <laughs> the fake titty popper. Yes, man. Kadarov would have no fake titties, I'm sure. He'd get the real thing. إلا إذا كان في حماية قومية هم العربي كله عنده قوة عسكرية الاعتداء على ليبيا اعتداء على كل العرب الاعتداء على لبنان اعتداء على كل العرب الاعتداء على موريتانيا اعتداء على كل العرب ما, ما تعمل زي أمريكا أمريكا لا تقتل في نفسها بنفسها هي مبسوطين أن أمريكا تذبح في نفسها أساطيل قواعد مساعدات رشوة جلوس في كل مكان احتكارات واحد جري خلاص تغرق ساعم الساعات أمريكا تنهار زي ما انهار انهار الاتحاد السوفيتي uh, pretty based um, I'd like to see the rest of that speech <laughs> Uncle Armin, yes. Auntie Sally. <laughs> oh, touche, ex-scientist. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that's uh, that's me done. Um, again, uh, I'll be streaming tomorrow. Uh, surprise guest, but um, we'll be talking uh, virology with a actual virologist. Um, just getting the lowdown 
on um, her thoughts about COVID. Uh, let me just do this real quick. Bing, 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 bing. Oh, excuse me. Do they sell pop vape in Japan? No. No. Um, it is a very, very cool vape. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, Good Doggy says, do you know the orc, how the orcs first came into being? They were elves once, taken by the dark powers, tortured and mutilated. A ruined and terrible form of life. Is it Judy Mikovits? No. No. Um, all right, guys. Uh, I'm out of here. Remember, uh, feed. It's Christmas. Buy the uh, buy the dock a drink. <laughs> buy the kids a little prezi. All right. Let me get me buttons sorted. I will see you guys in the next one. Take care. God bless. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do, I'm like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand how fucking pissed off. After reading that long line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these peppers. I will fucking kill each fucking pepper. I swear. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually saying. Fuck these peppers. No fucking vaccine or ever. Oh, I like this guy. Let's check what we found out. 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 Let's check what we found out.